Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Escape the Cage podcast. I am Chuck Ellis, your host, and I have got a really interesting guest today. Like most of the people, because you guys know, I'm basically obsessed with TikTok and TikTok educational content. I found this guy through TikTok. I started watching his videos, and then I was able to connect with my guest today. His name is Rain Bennett. And I'm going to read right off his bio. So if you see me looking off to the side, that's what I'm doing. But uh, he is an Emmy-nominated filmmaker. He's an author. He's a keynote speaker and a storytelling coach, which I think is really going to help you guys who want to run and market a business. He's got over 15 years of experience producing documentary films. He hosts a weekly podcast himself called The Storytelling Lab, which features top storytellers, in the world and has recently released his first book, Six Second Stories. And just before we came on, we were talking about the fact that it's about to be an audio book, which has me really excited. Um, we'll talk about some other things that he has done, but let me welcome Rain Bennett to the Escape the Cage podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I, I, I'm happy to be here and, and hello to everyone out there listening. So Rain, let's start like I always do with everybody, um, which is very apropos for right now is Tell me your story. How did you get to where you are today? So uh, the, the main way I landed on what I do and how I help people is, is one, you already alluded to this in the bio. I was a documentary filmmaker for 15 years, indie documentaries, independent documentaries. What that means is low budget. <laughs> so what that means is I'm tasked with uh, how do you tell a great story and connect with the hearts of your audience when you don't have a lot of money crew, time, resources, etc. right? So that became a skill of mine and it shaped my philosophy uh, on how to do this. In fact, the first feature documentary that I did, which we sold to Red Bull TV, I traveled all around the world with just, just a camera and a tripod and a backpack. And I, and, I, and I made this film. It took me years. It was a struggle. But out of that, I, I had this, this realization that if you focus on the story, the manner in which you deliver, the production value, the professionalism, if you will, doesn't matter as much. Now, let me pause there for a second. I didn't say it doesn't matter, but you have so many people that seek all those things. How do I get the best mic? What's the best camera? What's the best mobile editing app? And don't work on their story or their message. That's putting the cart before the horse, as they say, right? And if you just have good content and story, you don't need all the bells and whistles but you can add those tools to your toolbox as you go on and get better. So then I started asking myself, hmm, are there people trying to tell stories and create content out there that aren't professional writers, uh, artists, filmmakers? Uh, yeah, everybody now, right? Everybody's a content creator, but they're often have insecurity and imposter syndrome about like, you know, all these things we just talked about. So then it became my mission to help those people, to help democratize storytelling, if you will, right? All of us have powerful stories to tell. All of us are trying to achieve certain things and impact the world in certain ways. Storytelling is the most powerful communication tool. And if you focus on that communication and that messaging, the other things, they don't take a back seat, but you don't need them. And what the reason, the problem is that those obstacles prevent people from even putting their message out to the world. And that's the problem I'm ultimately trying to solve uh, is for you to understand that if you can just can communicate these ideas in your head and in your heart to your people, that's what you need first to take action. And then you become better at TikTok 
at podcasting, at writing, whatever. You know, yeah, it's the whole thing is storytelling is not confined to one medium. You can you can tell your story in so many different ways. And one of the things that I have finally found and finally figured out is that um, your story allows people to tell your experiences, your background your ups and downs, you know, the, the things you've been through in your life and more Absolutely. importantly, your values, your beliefs, your opinions. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what really links you to somebody as a brand and a business is getting to know that person, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's really about inflecting your personality and who you are rather than what you do or, um, or, or how you do it. Absolutely. Everything comes back to connection, creating that bond, right? That's life. Whatever you're trying to achieve, you're going to have to you, some you're going to have to need someone else at some point, whether that person is your customer or your colleague or your community, and you have to create those human connections. Storytelling is the way to do that. 100%. It always has been, folks, right? So it's become adopted and kind of a buzzword in the marketing community. Yes, you can use it for that, but that's because it has created the connection. It's a communication tool that creates human connection. What you do with that connection is totally dependent on what your mission is. So if I'm trying to sell my book, Chuck, then I can use storytelling to market that book and find the right audience for it, right? To make them feel seen and heard and understood. And then, and we, you know, we vibe together. They think that I could help them, right? But if I'm trying to grow a community of people who are suffering through some sort of trauma, me sharing my story, makes that connection and, and allows me to achieve that goal. If I'm trying to make my team, you know, bond together behind a common goal of what we're trying to achieve in 2022, then using storytelling is a way to get us all on the same page and understand the bigger picture and what we're, you know, yada, yada, yada. So it is a tool to create human connection, full stop. Yeah. And community is so important, um, especially in, in marketing and business these days. Everything. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I'm, I I saw a TikTok not too long ago where um, the guy, I mean, he hit it right on. It's like there's 35 different cereals on the market. You know, most of them are marketed mm-hmm. to kids, but yeah. how do they create that connection? We've got Tony the Tiger, or we've got you know, um, I'm now I'm blanking. You know, we've got Count Chocula. I mean, Count Chocula. I was gonna say that. <laughs> tis this tis the season for Count Chocula. It's right. season. But you know, you have to you have to put a face on a brand. That's why, you know, unless you're Nike or Coca-Cola and you're established, you don't need to do that. But the rest of us have to do that. That's why, you know, I, one of these things that I hate, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but one of these things is like, oh, you don't have to show your face on video whenever you're doing educational things or you're, you're creating content. Yes, you do. Because otherwise you're just, you're just hands on a screen. Nobody can connect with hands on a screen doing something or just mm-hmm. showing slides. Where the connection comes is when they see your face, you know, when they see who you are. And you and I, we're of the you know, we're of the shaved head community. For those of you who are listening on audio, you can't see this, but you know, we're of the we're of the shaved head or maybe the turning loose hair community. But uh-huh. that's what creates connections. It's it's, oh, absolutely. it's those attributes, you know, and those are those are unique to each individual person. <laughs> Immediately, uh, Chuck, I empathize with you, right? I understand <laughs> your journey, my friend. <laughs> absolutely. But to your point, like 
why do you, you know, we see websites or, or billboard ads about a product and we see people smiling on it, right? That's because that's what we resonate with. If you just saw the widget, that's not going to evoke any emotion in you. You see the widget making uh, people happier and spending time with their family, which is the real problem that the widget solves, right? So that's that's why we see that, because that's what we relate to. This happens a lot, but you can see examples of people understanding this. I'll give you a quick example. Politicians, right? You always hear politicians say, I met a woman named Kathy in Iowa last week, and Kathy told me blah, 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 blah. Well, that's because we all know a Kathy from North Carolina or from Pennsylvania, right? And we can empathize with Kathy. We can't empathize with every day, 100,000, blah, blah, blah. You know, I can't, I don't even know what that number means, right? I can't picture 100,000 people in my backyard right now. I don't, I don't, that's too big. You know, what you can do is you can say, I know I met a woman named Kathy from Iowa. This is what she was going through. She lost her son and blah, 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 to suicide, yada, yada, yada. And there are 100,000 people like Kathy every single week. Now we can use that big figure. So people, I know I'm running off on a tangent, but it's relevant. People think it's storytelling versus information, and it's not. Storytelling is a way of delivering that information. You just have to do it in the right order. You hook your audience emotionally, and then you inform them, right? And so if you just lead with something like, here's a product that does this, this, and this, they're like, uh, I don't even know if I want it or need it or how it's going to help me first. Or here's a hundred thousand people that go through this. It's like, okay. But when you hear about Kathy, you're like, damn, I know a woman that that reminds me of now I'm sucked in emotionally. Then you understand the macro issue when we zoom out a little bit. You know, one of the things that I used to make a mistake about is, is when I would back when I used to do Facebook lives and things like that was, mm -hmm. Hey guys, or what's <laughs> up family, you know, that's yeah, not totally. speaking Me to too. one person. Me and too. I finally learned that your that camera is a single individual. It's the ideal person that you're trying to speak with, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, 100%. And I struggle with the same thing. And a lot of people do. Uh, but that that's a real easy fix. You know, instead of you guys, just say you. That, that's simple. And a lot of people struggle with... Uh, like you already said, putting their face on camera, being comfortable with this. It takes time, but there are certain things that you can that you can do to, to make yourself better. And I think that also helps that because if you look at that lens and pretend it's the eyes of one person, to me, it's way easier than thinking about being on stage in front of, you know, a thousand people or a hundred people or even 10 people, right? So it, it helps you and it helps the person listening understand that this might be for, for them versus pay everybody, then they feel like one out of a group. And that's not the same. I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I meant to, yeah. I meant to get to this earlier, but um, did you go to school for filmmaking? Was that, was that your choice that you, that you made or is this something you uh, kind of stumbled into? I did. I didn't start off, you know, on that path studying that, but I transferred schools and ultimately went for it. Um, but not like a film school. I just went to a state school and studied uh, communication media, focusing on film and video. What really uh, happened was I started working on films while in school. I started acting and nobody's getting paid. These are like no budget films. And then I would be like, hey, can I be a PA? And they'd be like, sure, you want to act and be a production assistant for free? Be my guest. And so I learned that way. And then I, I did the old school apprenticeship method. I started like working under under documentary filmmakers just as an assistant, then as a camera operator. And pretty soon after I graduated school, I started my first production company six months out of out of school. You know, I couldn't really like 
it's a gig based thing. So I, I would have a great job for four five or six months and I wouldn't. And I was like, look, I've shot some wedding videos. I've done some documentary, like worked on some documentaries. I think I can, can do this myself. That may or may not have been the best decision at that time. I learned a lot of things the hard way, but Hey, I'm very happy with how things turned out. But the first 10 years, it, it was tough, but it slowly went from, you know, wedding videos. And I did some sports recruiting videos to then music videos to then PSAs, public service announcements, to then like 30 minutes and beyond uh, documentaries. And, and then we started getting recognized. And then it started, I started realizing like, hey, this nonfiction world, you know, I'm, I'm really um, liking and able to do something. And I, I write and direct my own film. Some of my movie posters are behind me as well. But only, it was about five years ago when I had that little realization that I said at the, at the top of the program where I'm like, there, there's... There's a group of people I think that are struggling with this. You alluded to, you know, you're not Nike and Coca-Cola don't have these problems. I say similar things all the time. Like I'm not helping, you know, Nike tell stories. They're already have they have the best agencies in the world to do it. My background as a documentary filmmaker helps me fight for like the underdog, right? I'm helping beginners, small to medium business owners, nonprofit organizations, solopreneurs, anybody that is like, you know. Uh, overwhelmed and under-resourced, right? That's who I help. And I help them just like, hey, calm down. You don't need this, this, and this. You don't need to spend a ton of money. You just need to understand how to communicate through stories. And then whatever tools you have access to now, that's where you start. And then as you go on, you start adding things to the toolbox. Ooh, I learned how to make a, a different edit. You know, I learned how to use voiceover, et cetera. But to start off, the very first thing you need to do is understand how to get what's in your head out and onto the screen or onto the page. You know, and that's really interesting because um, I was doing some training the other day and I don't know why all of a sudden this hit me this way, but it did, you know, because we're, we're always taught as we go through like a personal development journey and we start to really delve into the stories we're telling ourselves and why we can't accomplish things. And right. we, you know, we hear, okay, well, you need to write a script of what you want to happen so you can start to change those beliefs. And, you know, for whatever reason, all of a sudden it just dawned on me, you know what? Movies start as things in somebody's head and then yes. they put them down on paper. And then yes. they share that paper, which is their dream with somebody else. And that's what turns thoughts actually into reality. That is a linear description of how thoughts become reality. And sometimes we have a hard time really putting that into words so people can understand it. But then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? That's a perfect example of thoughts this is, becoming reality. This is echoed by so many people that like high achievers and people that have, you know, the people we look up to, it's a small little thing, but putting it down on paper, writing it down is transformative. It takes it from a vague abstract thought to a concrete thing, the best, the first thing, right? It will become something else, just like a script becomes a film, right? And there's a whole lot of processes in between the, those two, those two uh, bookends. But when you write it down, it becomes a physical thing. It is just a note on on a on a sticky pad, right? But it, it is a real thing at this point. Now I could take that real thing and take it to the next step if I want to, but it not it never happens unless you do that first step. And that's why it's so transformative for folks. And it, you're right. It seems like it may be a little silly or cheesy or, or whatever. Like, how is that really going to happen? Because now you've taken the first step. It's a real tangible thing now. Whether you write it on Google Docs or you write it on a notepad, that is the first step. And then it's up to you. Maybe it's worth pursuing. Maybe it's not. But it doesn't get to the end 
unless you take that first step. And there's something powerful about seeing it because then you're, then your mind can imagine believe a it. greater version of it. Exactly. They can believe yeah. it. You can't believe it unless you can see it. I mean, that's why we struggle with anything that we can't see when it comes to believing in it, right? Once you do, there's a little bit of proof. I mean, that's everything. This is, and this is not just me like spouting off, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling stuff. This is science. Like you can look this up. This is psychology. This is neuroscience. Like th this sort of thing is very, very effective. And it's such a simple thing to do. And here's the thing. Like, even if you want to argue like, ah, it's not real, that's pl like placebo effect. So what? The results are the same, right? <laughs> if you trick yourself into doing it, who gives a crap? Like it still works, right? If I take a sugar pill and it stops my headache because I think it's going to, the results are the same. And that's what we're all after. We're after the results. And, and right. the one thing that, um, and yes, there is brain science behind it, but you know, one of the things is I studied more because obviously when you do marketing, you're you're studying how we For think sure. and why we think the way that we do. The brain has no way to determine the difference between what is um, what is imagined and what is real. You know, Correct. your emotions are it's like when you watch a scary movie, you get those emotions 100%. because you start to feel that situation. But you're not yes. in that situation. And nope. that's that's how powerful the brain is especially called, when it comes to storytelling. That effect is called narrative transportation. You, Your brain processes those events on stage, that scary thing or on screen, that scary scene that you're watching as if it's happening to you. Your brain, you know, the parts of your brain light up as if you're the one, right? That's And we have physical reactions. Your palms sweat, your heart beats, right? This is because your brain is like, oh, crap, I'm a monster's about to jump out and get me, even though, you know, logically that you're not there. That's huge. Once you really realize the effect and impact of that, that's huge. What um, what's like a starting point for somebody who's never told stories and they've been they've been horrible on video and, and they, they've never thought of creating content uh, because I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. Content is the king of attention right now, um, you know, especially this short form content right now. What's a what what's like a maybe a philosophy that you can try to share with people that is like this is where you start and, and then you kind of work your way through the process. I think philosophically, the starting point is. Who are you trying to help and why? And this is the part that we overlook. We think, okay, here's my ideal audience. I want to help, you know, yada, yada, yada. And here's how, and here's what I'm going to do. But when you start looking in your own story, you can figure out, and it, it may take a while, maybe a long winding path to get there. You figure out your why, why it is. So for instance, we've already talked about my story. Why I help out solopreneurs, small business owners, and nonprofits is because I can empathize with them as someone who is overwhelmed and under-resourced, like we already said, because that's what I struggled with for 10 years. And then I started understanding how to how to do how to do a lot with a little in terms of storytelling. So that's why I, I fight for those people. Now I think about like, okay, what are the things I need to, you know, teach them? What are the tools that I need to arm them with to help them achieve what I'm trying to help them achieve? But once I first have to understand why and then it makes my communication much clearer to them because i know the types of things they're, they're going to want to hear we're talking about that connection right we're talking about that empathy and so philosophically like that's my that would be my suggestion for your approach like before you start creating content really think about like how do you want to make them feel 
We always want to focus on niching down. What's your niche? Who's your target audience? All that stuff's important, just like production value and lighting is important in filmmaking, but not before you understand like what's the stories are about transformation. What's the change you're trying to create in your audience? And I do a lot of keynote speeches and I have to ask myself, what do I want them to leave this speech being able to do? Even in a TikTok video, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, what do you want your audience to leave there feeling or being able to do? And ask yourself this every time. And I can even see, I can A-B test my own content and see which ones were like off the mark and which ones weren't. And if you just like look at it and compare it to the ones that hit, you're like, oh, there was clear value here that they could literally never see my content again and it made them better. They can use that thing that I gave them. And then when I'm sometimes just kind of, if you have a big following, you can kind of spout off and just philosophize and people will like stay with you because they've, they've trusted you now. They, they like you. Right. But sometimes if you're just kind of rambling, it doesn't hit the same way because they're like, they, there is no transformation for them. They didn't change. They, you know, unless it's really profound and you made them think about something, but this is becoming harder. Right. So think about how you want to impact them now, strategically, practically, tactically, how do you start? It's just keep it simple, right? Just keep it simple. What Again, you're thinking about what you're trying to, to have them uh, feel or be able to do afterwards. But again, we chronically overcomplicate things as humans. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm stealing this from Tim Ferriss. And he used to say, or still probably does, what would this look like if it were easier? His whole brand is about efficiency. How do you, mm-hmm. how are you become a high performer in as easy a path as possible, right? And so what would this look like if it were easier? I had on my show uh, a TikTok creator named B.A. Shepard. You may know him. He's on the farm. He talks with these horses. It's a black guy who talks with horses all the time. He's got a great big following. He has no production value. He just, he's sitting there brushing a horse, getting the dirt off of, uh, uh, you know, off of their coat and just chatting. There's no, you know, music, there's no stickers, it's just him talking, right? So like if you can't show up, if it takes you seven hours to create one little video, what would it look like if it were easier? Mm. You know, all of mine are just me talking to camera. I add a few little things here and there. And I see great creators that I love that hey, they have it looks like a Hollywood production, right? But they have a system that makes that you know easy for them or they've done it for long enough. And when people see that and think I can never do that a lot of times it prevents them from even even trying. And so I'm like the opposite. I'm like, no, keep it simple, be real and understand how to communicate. And then, you, then you're off. You know, it's that production value that I think really does hang people up. They're worried about trying to compete. And I think businesses do the same thing. It's like, <laughs> how can I be like Nike or you know Coca-Cola to go back to big brands or Apple? It's like, you can't, you don't no. have production teams you don't have the best marketing forms in the forms or firms in the world but you don't need to you have something that nike and coca-cola and apple don't you have yourself you're unique and you have your own experiences and there are people that will not relate with them but they will relate with you and you know that's that's where that's how you overcome that perfectionism and people love Gary V and everybody's trying to be Gary V and it's like, and you why? can't, I don't know. I don't know. And why like this, the single most powerful and unique thing that we all possess is our story. No one on the planet has your story, right? Plenty of people out there have your skills and many of them are better and more skilled than you will ever be. 
and we're trying to be in this rat race with him. But zero people on this earth have your story. So I, I always use this example. If I gave you and me and 98 other people, uh, you know, 10 grand, 100 grand, whatever, and said, go make, I'm looking outside, there's acorns on the ground. Go make a documentary on acorns, right? Doesn't matter what the topic is. We have the same topic, the same resources. Every single 100 of those documentaries would be different. Why? Because we are different. So my perspective on acorns is going to be different than yours. I might tell a story of like, man, I picked up a whole you know jar of acorns with my daughter. I don't know why she's so fascinated with them, but she loved them. They're whatever. That's my version. You may be Ken Burns style and say the history of acorns, right? We're all going to be different. And this is so overlooked and neglected and underutilized. It is the single thing that you possess that Gary V doesn't have. Gary V has now, listen, I know the word authenticity is overused and, and beaten to death these days, but it is so valuable when you understand what you do differently, right? Being different is better than being better. Stop trying to be Gary V because you will never win that race. <laughs> no one can be Gary V more than Gary V. And it's not because he's so good and he's got a huge team and all these things. It's because he's the only Gary V in the world. You didn't have his path. You didn't work at a wine store. You didn't have an early YouTube. That's not your story. Stop trying to wedge yourself into his narrative. And listen, it is hard work. You have to go back in time. You have to dig in here in your heart. You can see my little heart right in the middle there. <laughs> if you're watching the video, you and and listen, it's like therapy. When I coach people one on one, it gets emotional because we're digging through some things that aren't always easy to look at. But if you want to do that, if you want to impact the people the way that you feel like you can, if you want to get those things in your head and in your heart out to the world, you got to do this work. And when you do, you understand what you do differently than anybody else. Listen, my podcast, this is not a plug, but you can go listen. It's called the Storytelling Lab. Every week I have on storytelling experts, keynote speakers, writers, marketers, exactly what I do. Right, Chuck? None of them feel like competition because we all landed there from a different place. Zero of them were an independent documentary filmmaker that we used to do. And even if they were, there's so many other things that make up me and my journey through independent documentary filmmaking, but, but they're not, you know, some of them came from New York times. They're journalists. Some of them came from Google marketing. You know, they're, they're straight up, you know, marketers. We all have different backgrounds. We landed on the same thing. So therefore our perspectives on storytelling are, a little bit different. And therefore, our audiences, our ideal audiences are going to be seeking different things and finding the right people for them. I'm telling you, this is, I did a, my TED talk on this, on, on, on your unique story. Like no, nobody cares about your expertise. They care about like, can you help them? And the way you communicate that is to make them feel seen and heard and understood. And the easiest way to do that is, is for you to under, literally understand what they've been going through and not try to like, you know, fabricate it. You know, it's it's funny because um, we're all different, but in a lot of ways, we all think the same. And, and I'll, I'll yes. tell you what I'm talking about here. I was having a uh, consult with a guy I'm working with now, and he's local here to central Pennsylvania. And he just started a microgreens firm. And it's popular. Now. There's, it's popular, but, you know, we're in a small area, so there's not a whole lot of people doing it. Sure. But I was telling him about, you know, I was trying to get him to think a couple of steps down the line, because obviously at some point um, you, you have to figure out ways. If you're going to grow a business, you have to figure out ways that you can be one to many rather than one to one, because yeah. one to one just has its limitations. 
but he's thinking to himself, and he asked me this question. He said, why, if there's already a course out there or there's already somebody out there that can help them in this other place, um, why are they going to listen to me? I said, because you're the landscaper who wanted to get out of landscaping because it's very much a do this and then get, you know, it's very transactional. Whereas your microgreens is do something once and benefit many times and also benefit many, many more people. I said, Mm -hmm. and especially here in our area, there's nobody else who's a landscaper who wanted to become a microgreens producer. And what you find as you get into the, the world of social media is that there are so many people who are coming, not, they're not the same person, but they're coming from that similar path. There's somebody in another state or another city or another county or another country who is a landscaper and wants to become a microgreens person. And you are that conduit. You are that, you're that, uh, that mentor in that journey. And that's why it's so important to share who you are. And, and, and there's got to be a really interesting perspective that you have getting into the microgreen world from the landscaping world, right? You're not coming from agriculture. You're not coming from, you know, nutrition. You're not coming from like health and fitness and that sort of stuff. You're coming from the landscaping perspective. And I could probably dive into that and figure out a few things, but like, I don't have to, to know that you're going to have a unique perspective and it's going to relate to those people that you just described. And it's perfect. So, so lean on that. How did landscaping inform your view of the microgreens industry? And more importantly, how did it, how did it influence you to do your work differently than the norm? Right. And now you're going against the grain and now you're cooking with gas, as we say here in the South. Now you've got something really powerful because you've explained why you do what you do differently. And that's going to resonate very specifically with a certain group of people. And I love what you talked about earlier, too, is you have storytellers and podcasters and right. <laughs> uh, keynote speakers on your program because you have understood that fundamental mind shift that people are not your competition. They are your peers. And there mm. are people that are going to relate to those people better than you. And yes. that's why it's it makes you so much more valuable in the marketplace if you share resources, even from people totally. that you would necessarily, under normal circumstances, consider your competition. But if you change that mind shift, they're not. Absolutely. Listen, a lot of my TikToks, the ones that some of the ones that do pretty well, are literally me showing people, my audience, uh, something I learned from one of those people that I had on my show. Right? It's it's like, hey. I just got my mind blown by so-and-so. I had to show you guys this. I have an email newsletter, right? And I send those things too. So I will send tidbits from the podcast that I had to my people because maybe Gabrielle is a better fit for them than me. And I'm still doing my job, which is to help them, to educate them, right? And then in turn, it benefits me because I've gotten jobs from the people that I've had on my show. I've had one person who's actually in North Carolina as well. She couldn't make a speaking gig. She referred me. I got that speaking gig, right? So it's not, they're not competition, they're, they're community. But you, you feel like they're competition when you don't have a clear understanding of what you do differently in the world and why someone would come to you versus them. So then you get caught in the rat race and you try to get credentials and you try to be cheaper and then you're racing to the bottom or you try to, you know, you just try to, you try to be better. Like I said, instead of understanding how am I different? I'm not the same as this person, and therefore we don't serve the same people in the in the same manner. It's it, it, it's it's honestly like a a real issue, and it doesn't just exist in this space. Like 
Your unique identity is the only thing that you own that nobody else can take. And we do not leverage it enough. It's hard because, I mean, and it goes into everything, physical appearance, how we do everything. You know, I was thinking about it today. Like, it's so powerful just to be confident in who you are. That's what resonates with people. Even if you're like totally a weirdo, totally a nerd, totally strange looking, like if you can rock with yourself, that is so powerful. This aura that you create, that you exude this confidence, even, and you listen, you, you, you may be, we're all insecure. We're all, we're all insecure, right? But if you possess that where you're just comfortable being yourself, it has this air of confidence that really, that really people believe you and trust you. Then you seem like a real person. People can sniff out inauthenticity and salesmanship a mile away these days. And they're sick of it. They're so sick of it. So when you get up there and it's clear, you're not Gary V, but you're trying to talk to him and you're talking real fast and you're doing it. Right. I know that this is just a veil. I know it's not real. Cause I seen the real thing out there on, on TikTok every day. Right. So I know you're just a, a mimic, mimic. And so I don't even care what you have to say because you've already shown me that you're not real. So what else fake are you going to sell, sell me? Right. But when I come off as someone different than you've ever heard, now I'm like, oh, that's, that's interesting. I'm leaning in. And then as people stick with you, they start to trust you more and more. And then you get to that point, which we talked about earlier, where I can just spout off something silly and a good faction of my followers will listen because they like my take on the world. Find your take on the world. What is your unique perspective? And you can find it in your unique experiences, the things you have been through. I am the son of an alcoholic. I grew up in Eastern North Carolina on the water. I am an athlete. I am a right, like all the unique communities that you've belonged to have shaped your view of the world and the way you move in the world. What is that? What is your thesis? What is your perspective? This is the quest that you must go on to understand yourself first before you can ever communicate who you are and what you have to them. Reasons that people uh, are reluctant to create content is number one, they're, they're worried about coming up with so many different content ideas rather than focusing on one main message and continuing to do that over and over again because they're worried about, well, people are going to get sick of it or people are going to see it over and over again and they're going to unfollow me. What's your response to that? You know, I I can't tell you how many uh, workshop attendees and coaching clients that, that have said this exact thing to me. This is a real like issue with people that they struggle with. And it's like, I have so much to say about it. I'll be quick. You know, the Rolling Stones, they play satisfaction, right? If you go to a Rolling Stones show and they don't play satisfaction, you're going to be pissed, right? And they start playing their new stuff that you haven't heard. It's like, just play the hits, right? That's what the people are there for. So one, not everybody's going to hear it. It's if we're talking about TikTok specifically, like the algorithm goes out, they may or may not have seen it, right? So you say it again. Um, but you're the one getting tired of it. Yes, the Rolling Stones are tired of playing Satisfaction. It's also it's also paid their bills for decades, right? So they're playing it, but they're not playing it for themselves. They're like, here we go again for the millionth time. They're playing it for you, for that person who spent $300 that never saw the Stones until they're like 80 and they're seeing them, right? The other reason is what I try to get people to understand is you need to establish what I call a narrative drumbeat, a rhythm. 
that you bang over and over and over again so that it gets stuck in the heads of your audience. So where else do we see that? Commercial jingles. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right? <laughs> exactly. Right. So they do that so it gets stuck in your head. Where else do we see it? We've talked about Gary Vee quite a bit. Gary Vee has such a clear narrative drum beat. If you know his stuff, you can sum him up in like three words. And I'll do it right now. They may not always be the same, but it's like uh, the flip game, uh, empathy, and social media. And, and, and cre creating content, right? Those three things are him. So whether he's doing trash talk or whether he's doing baseball cards or whether he's doing social TikTok, it's all around those, that same narrative drumbeat. He's never veers off it or whether he's doing wine TV, it's all the same stuff. You know, flip, flipping, making money, you know, off, off of that social media content, creating content and empathy, right? And so you should have that too. All the great brands have that. What are the two to three and no more? core values that you have you cannot have 15 core values that's like having 15 priorities it does it does it does not work because then you have no core values or no 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 priorities right so figure out what that drumbeat is and bang it over and over again you're the only one that's getting tired of hearing it nobody out there is is like oh you know so and so said this i saw him say it thursday you know etc cetera, etc cetera. you can think of different ways to tweak it but the message is the same. My message is the same. Storytelling, right? A few different things. How you build your own brand through your story. How you sell your products through your story, right? But it's the, it's the same things. I'm not out there talking about landscaping. That would feel really weird, right? Yeah. I'm not out there talking about, listen, I have had a lot of, um, that, that just sounds pretentious or cheesy, but like I've started to understand like how finances work. I'm, I'm not rich, but like in the past few years before I was terrible, right? But that's not my brand. If I started veering off and starting talking about like, hey, side hustles and all that, that would take me a long time to build that brand up again. And that's not really what I'm passionate about. It is in my own life, but not helping people through that, right? So that that's outside of my brand. Could it be part of your unique intersections and your narrative drum beats with storytelling? Sure. But that's all dependent on what we've said this whole show, your unique experience, your unique story. And it's all about content pillars and sticking within those and not getting outside of those. Yeah. One of the worst pieces of advice that I hear people give, and they're obviously, obviously more established so they can afford to take this risk, is just sharing random things rather than staying on those content pillars. Because if you're, if somebody's there for steak and you offer them pizza, yeah. then they're not going to come back. Because they no. think, okay, now now they're doing pizza. They're not doing steak anymore. You know, the, the the better word, and this is, I'm stealing this from, I always give credit to whom I steal from. This is from Seth Godin. Uh, it's not about authenticity, which is this word we've been beating to death. It's about consistency. I was at a, a small event with him years ago, and this was before the narrative of Ellen uh, changed like it has now. And he said this, he was hip to it way back then. And he was like, look, I hear that, in reality, Ellen is not such a nice person. And he's like, people get very upset when you suggest that. <laughs> um, now people actually are, are they actually know it. And he said, so if Ellen were to show up as her authentic self, that would not be a good thing for her brand. What we want is dancey, silly, funny Ellen, because that's who we're used to. That is consistent with Ellen's branding, right? So again, to your point, it's not about authenticity. It's about being consistent. What are we, can we expect from you? You still want to be yourself, right? But it's it, more than being your complete self. You want to show up and provide value consistently so that we know, hey, this is a great steakhouse and we don't go there expecting for a good New York slice.
Yeah, and I'm I'm the same way because there's there's so many people, you know, and it's all this group think and it's all this trying to mimic everybody else. You know, the whole thing with with fads and trends, uh, especially on TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. I am the anti fad and trend guy because yeah. I firmly believe, and I'm sure you do too as well, because you're an individual uh, person that those are gimmicks and they yeah. change all of that. They don't stuff, last. They don't last. You know what does last? Uh, you know, again, without overusing the word is, is authenticity being real. You know, that's yeah. the first thing I tell people. I like, I'm not your coach. I'm not your guru. I'm not an entrepreneur. I hate all of those terms. They're <laughs> totally. overused. And all they do is group you in with other people and they don't allow you to stand out. But if you just say, Hey, you know, and that was one of the things I struggled with early when I got into this journey of how am I going to teach marketing when there are 20 somethings out there who've actually been doing it longer than me and, you know, have larger business enterprises than I do. And I'm like, well, there's probably not a lot of guys who are in their fifties and this is when they decided to try to do this. And yeah. so there are other people out there and that's right. I'm not a, I'm not a statistics guy, but here's one statistic that I learned from a guy named John Asaraf, who is a master marketer, but he's also really good with the brain. And, and he said, 80% of people, when you put out a piece of content or you create something or you offer something to the world, 80% of people do not care. Right. They, they could care less. They have no interest in it. They, they won't consume it. They won't watch it. They won't interact with it. They won't do anything. Mm-hmm. He said, then there's 20% of people who might care if you gave them enough education about how it benefits them. And then there's 5% of people that for whatever reason, they click with you immediately and they are ready to either do business with you or buy into whatever it is that you believe. Mm-hmm. And if you will focus on that 5% or maybe that 20% and stop focusing on trying to convert the 80%, yeah. you know, cause we're all so much of this FOMO fear of missing out on this marketplace. They weren't your marketplace and they're not going to relate to what you have, but in the process of trying to convert them, you're missing out on that other 15 or 5%. And if you capture just 5% of the market of people who want, and need what you have, you'll have a great business. You don't need to get 80% of market share. You just need to get the 5%. You never will. Yeah. There's a great blog that's pretty well known now. It's over 10 years old by Kevin Kelly called a thousand true fans. That's just like and he, you know, he went through the, the process to figure out like what you would need. And he's, and the, the premise, the thesis is, it, it, you know, if you can find a thousand like super fan, like true fans, as he calls them, ones that would drive, you know, a hundred miles to watch your band perform. That's all you need, right? Is a thousand true fans that will buy whatever you have to sell. And that's really, that's not that hard to achieve over some years, right? A thousand people. And if you do that, you can sustain, you can have a business just being yourself, right? Whatever you are, whatever you create, whatever you make, whatever your art, whatever your passion is, whatever your business is, if you have, you know, that group of people that are loyal to you, now you'll still get more than that sometimes. Uh, in terms that, that aren't that super loyal. But if you have that small of a base, you're, you're good to go. But you're right. We always seek, you know, the 80%, as you say, instead of just like, look, if, you know, if I'm reaching this amount of people and I convert 1%, like that's, that's great, right? That, you know, if I have something to offer them. And we're getting to the point where I think more people, I was interested in what you just said about, be, you know, being 50 and then getting into this field. That's a perfect place to to be and find your people because you are the only person that's like 
probably seeking a career change or trying to, you know, do some, do something else or, Hey, gotten let go, or you're sick of the corporate world. Like a lot of the people these days, and you're trying to go off and do your own thing. So like, you're going to resonate with them much more than the 27 year old that's been in like, you know, big agency marketing in New York, right? Because you're going to help those people just, just like, you know, just like me, I'm going to help a, a certain type of people. And that's, that's what's tough because it is easy to feel that imposter syndrome when you see, like, I, I see it all the time in my own life where it's just like, well, you know, I'm not like a Hollywood filmmaker, not now that I, I really want to be. Uh, I just want to, you know, create a business and raise my family and be happy and write some great stories and help people along the way. But, you know, I'm not that. I haven't had the, this level of success. Therefore, you know, who, who, like you said, who am I to help? Well, you, you got to find out who you help and you're essentially helping the old, the previous version of you, the older version of you, who is someone that looks like me. They don't have to be a documentary filmmaker, but when I figured out what the issue was I was facing, I've said it three times already, like over overwhelmed and overworked and under-resourced. And then the, the, the antidote for that, which is storytelling versus like high production value. Then I understand who else is suffering from that. Then I understand who that group is. Then I ask myself, what does that group need? And I go create those things, whether it's a show, whether it's a product, whether it's a book, I create those things that those people would need. But those people are where I was five, 10 years ago. <clears throat> and not, not 100% of the time, but the best products and the best services always result from us finding the answers to the problems that plagued us first. Heck yeah. Because that's where your story is. You know, that's mm -hmm. where you can really resonate with people. It's like, look, I'm not just hawking some product. That's that's one of my problems I have with a lot of marketing these days. They're like, yeah. just go find something that's very popular and then you start marketing that and then you'll get commissions on it. Mm -hmm. That to me, it A, it's it's horribly unethical in my mind, but it also it doesn't allow you to connect with any story. You know, you can't say this was the problem I faced and I'm of the mindset and I'm sure you are as well. It's like if I don't personally use something and I haven't personally seen a benefit from it, I'm not going to represent it. And so many yeah. people are out there trying to represent things and, and market things that they have no personal experience with. And so they're they're just out there. You know, they're, they're trying to churn the numbers as opposed to. Um, as opposed to sharing a personal experience. So um, I want to get back, and if you are just joining us or if you, you've just kind of picked this up, thing up in the middle for whatever reason, I am with author Rain Bennett. And the way I found him was on TikTok, my very favorite yes, social media platform. The thing that struck me and got me to watching your content was because we, we always hear tell stories, stories sell, you know, facts tell, stories sell. We all, we yes. all understand that. But – because everything is on short form vertical video content. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that holds people is how can I tell a story in 15 seconds or how can I tell a story in 30 seconds? And you've taken it even further down. And that's the title of your book, Six Second Stories. Give us a, a synopsis of how you tell a six second story. So all a story is, and, and I really need people to hear this and understand this, is a sequence of events that has created some change, some transformation, a lesson learned, a, a, you know, toppling of a dynasty on the big, big epic level, right? Or, or just, you know, just a change of perspective, a lesson learned. 
it's not just a sequence of events. And if you've ever been in a party and someone is telling you a bunch of sequence of events and you're getting bored and they won't shut up and they're just rambling on and it's kind of awkward, that's because there's been no change. There's been no point to the story. What's the moral of the story? So six second stories is both literal and figurative literal because now we have things like bumper ads. Six seconds is actually a prime time ad slot. Now, you know, 60 seconds, 30 seconds, then it went down to 15 and 10 and in the Super Bowl and world series, they have six second ads. Um, and of course, some of us may know Vine, you know, the previous. So six seconds uh, is really hard to conjure up emotion. It's easy to make a joke, which is why Vine, you know, was successful, but ultimately died. Um, it's easy to make a joke or to do something visual, but it's very hard to make someone to make someone cry, right? To move someone emotionally. But we are tasked with connecting with people on an emotional level in shorter and shorter time frames. So my quest was, can, can you do that? Can you tell a story in six seconds? And that's where I realized like, it's really, it's just about that, that moment of transformation and making people feel seen. The figurative version of it is, is like to tell a six second story, you use all the real same rules that you do for any storytelling, because every story, whether it's a 60 second film or a six second TikTok. You, you want to have no fat, right? You want to have you, you only the essential elements that you need. That's why they cut scenes that, that are beautifully shot scenes, wonderfully acted scenes all the time because they didn't progress the story forward. So all it is is it's, it's contracting and expanding. So that six-second story, I could blow up to a longer version, a three-minute video, maybe even more, right? If I tell this, you know, just a quick version of how making my film taught me that storytelling comes before production value, I can tell that little arc in a short 10 seconds, six seconds, but I could also probably make a movie or write a book about that. I mean, in my book featured a lot about that. So the point is to understand that beginning, middle, and end, and that before and after. This thing happened, so this thing happened. And, I, and so what, you know, one of the videos I did recently was really helping people with like prompts for that. And, it, you know, so they understand. So it's very like just tangible. Right. And so a, an example of that would be like, I always struggled with blank with this until I realized or until I found this. That's it. That's transformation. This is where I was before. You know, it's amazing grace. I once was lost and now I'm found. But what was the thing that helped me be found? And then I also said in a recent video is like, if that feels like a short, uh, incomplete story or like there's more to it that we want to know, that is the goal. Like you want people to lean in and say, wait, what happened next? How did that how did that happen? Tell me more. This is what you want. What you don't want and TikTok does not like is for them to hear the first 10 seconds of your video and then tune out because you're still rambling when the point of the story was made 50 seconds ago. Right now, your watch time is going to go down. They're going to tune out. They're going to scroll past. But if you say like, oh, my gosh, I could never write this book until I found this one program. And then in three months, I have my first book book written and it's coming out in a month. Well, now I'm like, oh, crap, this is me. I want to do that. How did you do that? I'm glad you asked. Let's set up a 15, 15 minute call with me. Right. That, that's and how you do the it. Hook. You know, it's, the, it's hook. the hook. But hooks, like you said, hooks have to be emotional. You you totally. can't you you can't just like spew stats and and you know, because anybody can spew stats, but like again, it's that whole connection between the two. So, uh, Rain, I really enjoyed this. Um, you know, Thanks, buddy. Stories is is, is something that um, I, they they just have power um, in a way that that facts do not. 
Six Second Stories is the name of the book. Um, it's going to soon be an audio book, which I'm excited about because I'm an audible guy. But tell people where they can get the book and also how they can connect with you. Yeah, so I always have to get a shout out to my mom for this. My name is Rain Bennett. I promise you there are not a lot of us in the world. So I'm very Googleable. Um, <laughs> if you put that name in there, I will pop up. My website is rainbennett.com. As it were, Six Second Stories is also pretty easy to find. The audiobook we're going to get out before the end of this year. So perfect little Christmas present. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to connect with me, Rain Bennett is the easiest place to find me on any social media platforms or on the on the website. On TikTok, it's Rain Bennett uh, underscore Story Coach. But again, you can just type in Rain Bennett and you'll find me. Uh, I love what I do. I genuinely love what I do. So I'm happy to take an email to talk to people. I'm not one of those that's going to charge you for every l- little second. Like I, I'm happy to help. I have a lot of free resources out there for people, um, and then we can take it further if we want. But like. Please connect with me if you have any questions. Um, I'm, I'm more than happy to help. And I will just say that uh, storytelling is the way that humans communicate. It's the way we have always communicated. So it's not information versus storytelling. It's weaving that information into a story. That's how we communicate with people. There is no argument. That's how we've always communicated as humans. I love it. That's a great place to end off. I want to thank my guest, Rain Bennett, for joining me today. And um, guys, tell your story. Be you. That's that's in essence what it is. Stop trying to be everybody else. Be you. Tell your story because it's going to resonate with the people who it's supposed to resonate with. And they will become part of your community. And then if you have a business, they're going to buy your product or service because they connect with you because it's all about connection. So we what we will do, guys, is we will get all the... Um, the ways you can connect with him because if you're listening to this in the car or doing something else we don't want you trying to write all this stuff down so we'll get the liner notes in there for you but rain thanks again for taking the time really enjoyed our conversation thank you so much i did as well my friend all right guys you've been listening to the escape the cage podcast with me your host chuck ellis and we will see you on our next episode